Welcome to the Becoming a Driving Instructor podcast. This is a podcast where we take you on the journey to becoming an awesome driving instructor that I know you have the full potential to be. Uh, and you've got two wonderful human beings joining you uh, in the passenger seat, if you like, uh, on this journey. Uh, one is really intelligent and one is really handsome. And I will let you decide which one is which. Chris, how are we doing? Hello. Yes, I'm all doing well. I'm wondering which one's which as well, because I've got the beauty of both of us on the screen. I think I take 75% of both categories. <laughs> um, all right, just before we kick in, hopefully people have listened to episode... Uh, no comment. Uh, hopefully people have listened to episode one. If you haven't, go back and check it. But for anyone that hasn't, just give them a very brief reminder of who you are and... Uh, and your standing and importance within the industry? I'm uh, far from important, um, but I do a lot of standing because uh, I'm not in the car nowadays. I am a driving instructor without a car. I specialise in the theory training. My name is Chris Benstead, and I am the co-founder of the DITC, and I do lots of things in lots of different places when people want a voice on a stick so um if you want to find out some information about something i normally can point you in the right direction if i don't know the answer myself excellent and uh, as always i am uh, your wonderful co-host terry cook i help people become better coaches run better driving schools and become better driving instructors by the medium of podcasts uh this being one but also the instructor podcast is the big one alongside your uh, learner resources in the five minute theory the driving test podcast and driving test tales podcast uh, and also the Instructor Podcast Premium, where you can, for 10 quid a month, you get a whole host of wonderful content. But enough of that for now, because today we are here to get you started on your journey. Because uh, last week we spoke, or I shouldn't say last week, last episode, we spoke about what be, uh, becoming a driving instructor entails, some of the qualities you might have, and all that kind of stuff. And today... We're talking a bit more how to start the process, and then going on, we'll go into more detail in the actual process. But today it's a bit more about how to kick it off, who you can have on your side, and uh, some of the f questions you might actually want to ask. So, Chris, if someone came to you today and said, Christopher, I am considering becoming a driving instructor, where shall I start? What would you say? Not calling me Christopher, I hate it. <laughs> um, so oh, noted. Uh, it, it just makes me feel like I'm back at school in trouble. Um, so I always ask why, because... The 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 two most common reasons that I hear are I'm good at driving or you know I uh, I enjoy driving and and neither of them are necessarily relevant to the job, so um, it's interesting to dig into why what skills what transferable skills people have got uh, what do they do now and it's not necessarily what they do now does that equate to being an instructor but but have they got you know skills that they can draw from because it makes life a lot easier. Um, at, at that point, we then start looking at, at the process, which, you know, that, that's what we're going to have a look at today um, of what are the hoops? What does it mean to you? And then we focus on the more important bit, which gets ignored or, you know, not dug into enough, which is what's it like being a driving instructor, actually doing the job? And I think that that's 
I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out myself. I know. <laughs> and you talk to different instructors. Everyone's a, it, it, it is really varied, and it, and it can be whatever you want it to be. But as with all these things, what you think it's going to be isn't necessarily what it ends up. I was asked this week about what the most rewarding part of my job is and what I find the hardest. And that took me a lot longer to answer than, than I thought I would. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in future episodes, we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into the stages of training. So we have part one, which is essentially the, the theory, part two, which is your driving, and part three, which is the, the instructor-based training. And we'll we'll do deep dives into them going forward. But if, if someone's looking to become an instructor and they're looking to start training, they've got you know a variety of different options. You could do it completely by yourself. I.e. you could self-train and you could do that by using videos or um, audio as, as we're doing now or books. You've got all this stuff that you can use to, to train yourself with these tools, if you like. Or you could go the complete opposite way and go and work with someone on a heavily based one-to-one basis, whether that's getting in part of a franchise or whether it's you know just literally working one-to-one someone or anywhere in between. Do you think there is an ideal way to do that, or do you think it depends on the person? It, that's one of the interesting bits because, as we know, the industry's changed um, in the time that you know you and I have been in it. It's gone from a uh, you know well, before we were in it. We won't age ourselves too much, but the it's gone from uh, instructional based. Do what you're told. You'll be able to drive a car through towards where we are now, where whoever you are, there is an element of coaching, client-centred approaches, and and it's more about the person than the vehicle. And and for me, that's the big change. It's, It's less about pushing the pedals and it's more about the person pushing the pedals. So that same range of options is there inside inside of us learning and as as instructors and i think that's really important to recognize early on because you can see how you learn best probably going to be how you teach best the the way that you learn is probably the way that you're going the, the same type of people are going to be the ones that you find easiest to teach because they speak your language so if you're going to go out there and do something you know, recognize that and then find something that that works your way. And we've got the biggest range now of of products available because, um, as as you said, we've we've got um, multimedia is out there and easily accessible. You know, you you don't have to buy a book to tell you how to change a light bulb because you nip on YouTube and it it literally shows takes you through step by step and it's not just a light bulb it's your light bulb you can look up that one specifically because there's lots of different options of it and it's the same in in driver training you can go from total self-study from the books through to supported self-study um through you know o- online schemes and and you know being um remotely supported You've got YouTube channels that are you know taking you through the, the the processes as well, and then you you as you said you've got the the full on find an instructor one to one, and there's even VR if you go to the likes of, of of BSM. I don't know of others that are using it yet, but I'm I'm sure there will be uses. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to the 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 live show that's going to show some VR later this year and see if it's 
got legs or not. But um, yeah, VR is out there and it's getting mixed re- mixed reviews. But a, a lot of people are saying it's you know that there's a benefit to it. It's how it's used as with all these tools. I was thinking about my training when I first come into the industry, and I felt like I needed a lot of support. And I felt like the best way for me at that time was to go to a national school and have that kind of almost like a security blanket around me. And it was exactly what I needed at the time for the the person I was at the time. But I think if I was coming into industry now, I would probably do it differently. I definitely won't go for a franchise. I would be independent. And this is my perspective. I'm not saying this is what everyone else should do, but I would be independent. I'd be utilizing a lot of the almost Netflix-style resources that are available, and I would be going to a handful of people, a handful of trainers, um, probably yourself included, Chris, and saying, I want your opinion on this. And not just going off what one person says, but you know, getting those three or four different takes and ideas because if five people explain things, they're not going to explain them all the same way. They'll put their own spin there, and sometimes it just takes one person to explain it a slightly different way that makes it click, and and that's the difference for me between watching a video and having a conversation sometimes. And I think sometimes we always also have to remember with that there's restrictions from the DVSA in what's required, particularly if you're going down the trainee license route, which is more heavily regulated um, than than if you're if you're doing it totally independently in going straight for the the testing and therefore you know they 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 don't necessarily uh like you being signed off by lots of different trainers you know the the DVSA still looks at it in in what I would term as the old approach of you sign up with a driving school you get trained and then you work with that school as a we'll call it a franchise model whether it's the right phrase or not is always open to debate, but that I think people understand franchise model. You you sign up to them for the for the name and the the support, um, and the DVSA still work around around that and don't necessarily accommodate things. So check before you commit to a process that that process is going to be acceptable. Uh, that there's not a you know bit of red tape in your way because you don't want that. We'll cover that in more detail when it comes to the part three in a, in a few episodes' time. But when we're looking at trainers, whether that's someone that you come into just to have a conversation with, or I suppose even more relevant if you go in to actually sign up with a contract with someone for some, you know, one-to-one stuff or as a franchise or, or whatever, we need to think about how we can assess those people and assess their validity and assess whether they're right for us. Um, so I think the first thing to speak about here is probably audit. Now, you'll have heard us mention this back on episode one. Do you want to give people an outline of what audit is, Chris? Uh, so audit is a voluntary scheme. Um, it's the official register, I've got to spell it now, uh, for uh, driving instructor trainers. And it is a voluntary scheme which I really wish it wasn't, but because it means that you've passed a test, you've gone along, you've been assessed as a trainer by the DVSA, but there's no official syllabus. There are documents that state what should be included, but 
it's important to recognize that the driver training industry is a minimum standards industry because when someone takes their driving test they've got to meet the minimum standard when we get assessed we meet the minimum standard there isn't much out there and we're trying to change this but there isn't much out there for maximum standards that's a personal choice um so you know it is the the audit register shows that the trainer has reached a required standard i know some brilliant audit trainers i know some that aren't so great um i know some brilliant non-audit trainers and i know some that aren't so great uh, and it's important to remember that just being a good driving instructor or even an amazing driving instructor doesn't mean that someone's going to be a great trainer they're two separate jobs and uh, as an audit trainer uh, myself and and having worked with an awful lot of driving instructors um and a lot of that is kind of self-taught and experience based uh it you know it, it takes some time to figure out the system and understand it and be able to answer those questions so audit is the dvsa register there is no official requirement to have an audit trainer or for a trainer to be audit the dvsa do suggest in the way that they ask questions and things that the assumption is made that someone would be audit so when you take a test if you're not successful they will say you should speak to an audit trainer not just a trainer um when you start you know you're, you're signing up they might ask for the audit trainer's badge number so it's kind of put in as an assumption but it's not a requirement and you know i i i'm all for audit if they did it if the dvsa did it properly um but in my opinion they don't yet so find a trainer you get on well with if they're audit that may well be a benefit I like to roll back to the driving test a lot, and I think it's a good example here that we know a lot of people that have passed the driving test, a driving test. We also know a lot of people that have passed a driving test and are not very good drivers. And I think that we can apply that logic to driving instructors. We know a lot of instructors that have passed the part three but are not very good instructors. And we know audit trainers that have passed the audit test and are not very good trainers. And... I still think one massive positive about and something that would actually influence me in a way towards an audit trainer is the fact that someone is consciously thinking of that. I think that shows a positive trait in someone that they're going, I want to go and develop, I want to progress, I want to do this thing, you know, irrelevant of whether it actually means anything. The fact that they're doing it, I think, it shows a, a good personality trait. So I would always look at that as a, a tick in the good box, but not necessarily as a negative to someone who doesn't. Would you agree with that? Or yes, I, th I think it's. I like it. Um, it. It's you know like someone having clean shoes. Um, you know they've made the effort. Uh, absolutely, but you know it. It doesn't necessarily guarantee you anything. And I think that's what's really important. And that is actually, that reminds me of people that I've spoken to that have had issues and they've felt that there's some kind of um, of guarantee or oversight by DVSA that if they have a problem with an audit trainer, the DVSA will back them. Nope. Um, it's it's not. Um, and, you know, it they, they could take away their audit badge uh that that's the most that would happen but there's no real 
it doesn't mean oversight. And I just think it's really important that people know, yes, it could be a, a badge to look for. Absolutely. It's a question to ask. See, see, ask them. Ask them the question that, that, that we're talking about now of, is audit important? Um, I think you'll find a lot of trainers will go, I'd be the same trainer with or without it. It doesn't make me any better. The The questions you should be asking me are, when did I do CPD or development of, of my own to make me better? Uh, continuous professional development. I got flashed a look of stop using letters. Um, so, uh, you know, when, when did I do training? What's my track record? Um, who can you speak to who I've done work with? Those kind of questions. And what commitments am I getting into? I will say it every time we speak, read the small print, because that's where the biggest issues come up, because you can end up committed to the wrong trainer, um, or you can end up committed to a trainer because they won't sign off with the work they do with you um, and unless it's, you know, it's been done. Uh, and, and then, you know, uh, the, uh, for me, and I am biased because I am a specialist theory trainer. I specialise in in, in uh, both the old test theory, the learner theory, and part one. Um, but ask them what they do to support that, because I think that says a lot. If they don't support the whole process, they just say, go away and get on with it. They're not seeing the value and the importance in that part of the process. So, I, you know, but I, I, I put my hands up to potentially being a little bit biased on that one. Uh, because you're an expert on the theory, Chris. But I, I do want to come back into those those questions we can ask trainers. But in fact, just before we do, I think one point I should make, for anyone listening now, we are making a conscious effort to not take for granted that you know A, B, and C, uh, and not you know trying to be careful with terminology and stuff like that. But if we are saying anything that you don't understand, please get in touch. Um, you can find us on the show notes. You can find Chris at dicc.co.uk. I'm at the instructorpodcast.com. Get in touch. Ask us to clarify what we mean. We're more than happy to do that. And then just the other thing I want to ask there is you kind of talking about what questions we ask these trainers. I think it's important to look at where we can find them, you know, mm -hmm. because I, we were saying before, there's you've got the two extremes and a middle ground. So the extremes will be, you know, doing stuff by yourself, the self-taught method and, and the other side working with someone. So looking at the self-taught method first, what resources would you potentially recommend to people? And where could people go to find a collection of resources, Chris? So it let's let's work um sort of upwards in in technicality. So we'll start with pen and paper. We'll start with books and stuff. So the DVSA guides are not necessarily the best books, but they are probably the most up-to-date and specific, uh, less opinion. And they they will give you the right information very factually. So they're a good starting point. You've got Driving Essential Skills, which is the How to Drive book. Um, there are learner-specific ones as well, and they will benefit you. But the Driving Essential Skills is, is the one that things are based on. So if you want to know what the textbook answer is, Driving Essential Skills, you've got the one that we all know of and probably a lot of people haven't looked at since they passed their driving test, which is the highway code. So 
that's a really important one. Not the most interesting read um, when you work through from cover to cover, but definitely worth a look. The lesser known one is called Know Your Traffic Signs. I refer to it as Kites because it helps me remember the title. And Know Your Traffic Signs is literally that. It's a book on traffic signs. Welcome to being a little bit of a geek. Um, we we love a traffic sign and they they tell us so much. But that book often doesn't get looked at. It's really useful to kind of get your head around stuff. We then look at the process of being an instructor rather than the driving. So being an instructor, the books would be the dri- uh, driving instructor's handbook and practical skills for driving instructors. Um, out of the two, I think the more interesting one is the practical skills. It's, it's my preferred book, but they're definitely both worth worth a look. And if you are going self study, then that that's where I would be would be focused. And then I think one that almost replaces all of those. So if you're on a budget and you want to start somewhere, Jed and Claire Wilmot, who's in the driving seat awesome book with qr codes in it so it's got more than just the pages you get taken to other stuff um and jed and claire what they don't know about the industry probably isn't worth knowing they have you know they they cover the full range of of a bit of everything in there so you know if you're dipping your toe in the water then then that's a great one um and then if you want to look at the business of being a driving instructor, again, an area that gets forgotten, um, you know, fr- friend, friend of most of uh, Terry's different podcast shows, not not just this one, um, but Dave Shannon has got a book. He is a bookkeeper uh, and it's called Are You Ready for Business? And Are You Ready for Business? Available on Amazon uh, is is a cracking, cracking little book. It's not too big but it's got everything you need in it. So if you want to look at the business side of things, that's that's one to have a look at. Um, there's others. There's plenty of others out there, but those would be my core kind of books to start with if, you, if you're going down that route. And they are the ones that the part one are based around. I'm just going to jump in with one other book suggestion because you mentioned all the ones I'd wrote and down, uh, except from uh, one by... Um friend of mine uh but I, one of the best books i've read on uh improving as a driver and that is uh, craig preedy's from b to a uh which i very much like the title and it took me a little while to to actually quite click on to the b to a part of it um but it is uh, definitely a great book and i i recommend that to anyone that uh that comes to me and i will also know actually that um Check the show notes because I will be putting links up to, every, to all these resources in the show notes. And we are going to have a resources episode coming up at some point talking about all the resources that, that, that we get into. But I did interrupt you mid-flow there, Chris. I think you were about to move away from books onto something else. Yes, I was going to I was going to bring us a little bit more into the 21st century and, and look at some digital options. Um, one that is, is, is good. Um, when it first came out, I slated it. So I'm all, I always hesitate slightly, but it, it is, it's improved. And behind the paywall, because um, you, you have to pay for access, there there is more. So when you first look at it, to be honest, it doesn't look that brilliant. Um, but it's a DVSA resource, which is called um, Safe Driving for Life. It's the Safe Driving for Life website. And as part of that, 
it does the the part one the theory but it teaches inside of there as well and it's pretty good um you know if if you were going to go down one digital avenue if you're going to do it yourself so you haven't got someone to give you the input on why is that the answer or what the hell does that question mean because it doesn't make sense or that question is wrong i know it's wrong based on all of my experience of driving why am i wrong um which is the other one that often comes up because the real world and the paper you know the rules world don't always match up um yeah, safe driving for life is is a really good one. There's a whole raft of um, of theory based websites and apps, but they are pretty much all based on the revision questions, the DBSA revision questions. So, you know, finding a good one, making sure it's based on the revision. Um, I'm not today, unusually for me, going to pick one out. Um, from those because uh, I think that you know they they've all got it depends which one you like uh, I have my preferences um, so that's the the digital stuff there are some online courses COVID had many you know many negatives but some of the positives were some brilliant um, training resources were put together so. There are some some really good ones. Uh, there's the Go Green uh, instructor training resource, um, which, which is um, Lou and Blaine Walsh's um, big names in the industry. Really good for getting free guidance and advice. Get in touch. That you know you you haven't got to commit. They'll give you that for free. Um, some of the national associations, which we'll probably list in a second, um, have got guidance and and training regimes connected with them that they can point you to um so yeah have have a look through and see what's there but i'm going to say again if you're signing up to it read the small print uh make sure that you're getting what you think you are and that there aren't restrictions or deadlines in place where you know you've got to have met something that you then end up losing money over and losing money actually uh, that's an important point before you do this you know, start looking at a book by all means. Make sure that you can get onto the register in the first place. You need to get a DBS check done. Um, it costs you, I think, it's now eight pounds twenty-five, but it's around that kind of figure to get the DBS check done, and that's the the fee to the post office to get it checked off. So you get in touch with DBSA, you get that bit done, and then you get onto the register. There's no point in investing all of that money. If for some reason, and sometimes it can be slightly odd, silly things, uh, they won't let you onto the register. So just make sure that that's done first. There, there isn't a medical as it stands, um, but there is a DBS check uh, that you know is an, an enhanced DBS check, and then that has to be done every badge renewal every four years. Um, so that probably takes us through the the self study kind of resources we then move on to the the human ones the face-to-face ones and they're not necessarily an individual you know some of them are big companies um you know they, they always shout the loudest pop them in google i'm not going to name those uh because i know how hard people like myself have to work to stand out so have a look make a comparison but make an extra effort to see who's local and have a chat with them 
because you get the person that you speak to rather than an unknown in, uh, trainer. Doesn't make them right or wrong either way, but but make that effort because I'm all for supporting smaller businesses and uh, you know and smaller driving schools. And you're going to become one when you qualify. So you know, start start now, and you'll make some friends locally. That's not a bad place to start. Um, the the schemes all vary massively but they all have to meet the same minimum requirements. So make sure that they do. See what happens if you don't pass. Discover what happens if it doesn't go well. And then that helps you make that right decision. Just going back to the self-taught aspect, I'm going to chuck another couple in there. So uh, you mentioned Lou Walsh and uh, the Go Green. I can't vouch for that because I haven't used it. However, I know so many people that have it's ridiculous. Um, so I, in a way, I can vouch for it. Uh, the other one I'm going to shout out there is Bob Morton's Client Set of Learning, which is a fantastic video and a written guide to coaching and client set of learning. And uh, it's got an excellent resource on there as well around the being a better driver aspect, which I think a lot of people overlook. Uh, so that's a good one. Um, I'm also going to give Chris uh, and the DITC a particular shout out here because they they are the signposting platform for the industry. You know, if you are looking for a specific resource, you can get in touch with the DITC and they will point you in the direction. And they've also got some excellent membership features as well. However, I want to mention some other things because you are listening to a podcast, which means you must be a fan of podcasts. So I will give a shout out to the podcast of the industry, and I am probably going to miss a few. So apologies. But first of all, there is a granddaddy of them all. That is Dipod, the driving instructors podcast that is run um, it's run technically by the ADI NJC, or at least of members of the ADI NJC and supported by them. They're going for over 12 years. I think they're over 200 episodes now. Um, yep, check that one out. There is also the KIT podcast, which is the Knowledgeable Instructor Training podcast, formerly uh, the DID podcast. I think at this moment you still have to search for DID podcast on those platforms. Uh, that's run by Mick Knowles, who does an awesome job and has some awesome guests. And they also have the uh, Kit magazine over there, which is another free resource. Uh, every month they put out a magazine, uh, excellent articles and stuff over there. So uh, you can download all that stuff. And then there is the Confident Drivers podcast, which isn't specifically for driving instructors, but I think that it's really beneficial for us to look at how we can use confidence as instructors and how we can help our learners. So excellent resource there. And then, of course, the the best podcast for instructors which is the instructor podcast currently over 100 episodes and we cover everything from coaching to health and well-being we've had guests on looking at Chi and how you can uh, get your body in good shape for lessons and we've had uh less uh around technology and pricing and all this kind of stuff uh, and there's also a paid version where we go into stuff in even more detail. And then uh, some other podcasts I do as well. I mentioned before the Driving Test Tales podcast, the Driving Test podcast, and the 5-Minute Theory podcast, all really useful for people that want to become instructors because they can start to see a different perspective around these things. And I, the the thing that I think um, I'd, I'd forgotten to mention, which is a bit silly because we got one coming up, are uh, there's, you know, is it, there's at least a couple a year now 
um because we lost one of the you know the kind of the conferences so the conferences and the expos that are in the industry where nowadays a lot of them are free um there's also some of the associations do paid for events you don't have to be a driving instructor so you you can kind of suck it and see and go out there and and you know experience the world have a chat with some people and and see see whether it's for you and what's lovely are is seeing more and more train trainee uh or pre-trainee instructors coming through those events uh because they're they're getting immersed in the industry very early on because they're finding it and that's the biggest thing that's where the ditc was born from was we were fed up with not being able to find stuff it was all hidden um so we tried to you know join a load of those dots up um which is how i ended up working with terry so you know it's it's done some good already Good, bad, whatever. Um, but, and then, as you mentioned, uh, you then move on to the flip side, which is the the working with trainers, uh, whether that's big organisations or more local ones. We we touched on this before, Chris, but I think worth going into in a little bit more detail about what we should be inquiring about with those trainers, about the questions that we should be asking. I think one of the things that that you mentioned, that I want to maybe just dig into a little bit deeper, is you kind of mentioned the point of if someone fobs you off, for example, with the part one and says, do that yourself and come back to us for part two or, or your part three. To me, that's like a big flashing amber warning sign on top of someone that just shouting, do not come to me, do not come to me. Um, and again, as we said before, this is completely up to you. This is your choice. I'm telling you my preference. But if someone is literally just fobbing you off and saying, we don't do that, do it yourself, I, I don't necessarily think that's the ideal route to go down so in fact would you agree with that chris or do you think there is more scope in what i'm allowing there i i think the traditional approach was go and do the part one on your own because you save money effectively i don't think that's why it was i think it's because we we as an industry are not very good at teaching theory we don't do classroom well uh, we do one-to-one we're not even keen on two to one. Two to one's blooming brilliant in the car. I love it. Um, so you know that it, it kind of it fitted the the way that we did it. The traditional approach. The same with the part two. So with the with the driving test of you know we'll look at your driving. We'll get your driving good enough. Once you've done it, once that's under your belt, then we might start talking about you becoming a driving instructor. And it shouldn't happen that way. The the information at the beginning is really important. You will learn that it wouldn't be an amber flashing light on someone's head because that would mean they are a slow vehicle. Um, but the, these things are really important. It would be a red flashing light. Absolutely. We all know that. Um, but the, these things are really important and it should be part of that process in some way, at least supported uh, a good question would would be if you really want to kind of get a feel for the support level you're going to get. I'm not saying pre- pretend to be dyslexic or have you know some kind of learning need, but ask them how they would train a driving instructor who how they would support a driving instructor who had a learning need, because those you know we we all have we've we've all got that that potential where things are just not working the way we need them to work. Are they going to adapt? Are they going to give you the support? 
And how much will it cost for that? Because we're all running a business. I have no issue with people charging, but let's be upfront about it and be honest about it. And let's provide the support that we're promising. So I, th- I think, yeah, uh, I think it's just the way things were is changing. And there will be people that may not be listening to this because they wouldn't be interested, but they should be, should be listening to this, that will be saying, no, 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 you know, why should I help someone with the theory? Because otherwise there's no point in there being a theory, and that's a conversation for another day. I think it's a really good point about the, the how could you help me with, with this additional need or whatever. And I think we can tie that into to the way people learn as well. You know, everyone learns in different ways. So if you know which way you learn. So for me, I'm big on listening to stuff. It's why I do all the podcasting. I also learn really well from watching other people do it from, from the demonstration side. So I could go to a trade and say, this is how I learn. What have you got for me? And, you know, see how they, they respond to that. I, I'm just going to tag back in for a moment though and say that anyone who is uh, fobbing you off from your part one is clearly slow and behind the times. Hence, perhaps they would have a flash number light, uh, slow moving vehicle. Uh, you also mentioned about the uh, the fact that it was potentially done to save money, or that was one of the excuses about fobbing people off from their part one. Probably does save money in the short term, but definitely not in the long term. You know, you put that early investment in yourself, whether that investment is financial or time or both, if you put that early investment in, that is going to help you more and more in the long run. But I do want to touch back on one other thing you said, Chris. I want to ask, uh, make sure that people understand what you meant by this, because when you were talking about uh, one-to-one and two-to-one training. So anyone that uh, is is considering becoming an instructor and has no idea what you mean by one-to-one or two-to-one training. That literally the number of people in the in the car, so traditionally... It would be, uh, well, actually, traditionally, there was a thing called piggybacking, which meant that the instructor would pick up the next pupil before they dropped off the first one. And that was used to remove travel time. But it was totally for the benefit of the driving instructor. That's very frowned on. However, two to one having two pupils in the car can be used in that way but it's doing it for the benefit of the of of the pupil so we moved from this piggybacking approach but it was still one-to-one training the instructor and the pupil that was the lesson so you just teach that individual but there's nothing to stop you from having one in the front one in the back and then you in the passenger seat teaching both of them them learning from each other and i love it they don't have to be at the same learning level so you could have someone near test standard and someone who's just starting out and they will support each other if you do it well and if you can engage with them i give them a notepad in the back and i get them to make notes and have questions and it's the same thing that can happen when you're doing your instructor training that some training companies do one-to-one or two-to-one? And that's another question to ask. Um, I know my business partner, he wanted one-to-one training because that's how he learns best. I learned far more sat in the back seat watching someone else get it wrong than when I was in that hot seat myself and getting it wrong because I was focused on the fact I was getting it wrong, not on learning. The reflection came later, but I could reflect in the back seat. I could look at it and I could question what I would be doing and dig into it. So to, to answer that question, sorry, in two different 
ways for the the training to become an instructor one to one or two to one is an option there's probably people out there that do three to one um but you know cost of fuel nowadays uh <laughs> that's an extra weight in the car um but also with learner drivers looking at whether you want to do an option like that and and when we look at theory you could do classrooms you could do a whole load of people in one space you could do zoom training or classroom training that is is you know laying the foundations of things that that's a whole you know a whole different thing it's not what our training is designed to get us doing it's focused on a one-to-one approach if you want to do that kind of thing you might want to look at other forms of training like um doing um education and training courses where you learn teaching skills for classrooms and things and that's not wrong it can be included you'll often get told that's not how we do it why is my question do you think there's any other key questions that people could be asking trainers before they they make a decision i think the the viewpoint is really important are you asking them about training or are you asking them about a franchise or business model that will follow the training they might overlap because as an industry we tend to talk about it as one thing that you go with a driving school and they do your training and you get a franchise with them and then you either stay or leave or you know move depending what happens look at them separately so ask them about their training and make it very clear that you want to talk about training and then find out what else comes along. And then what's the difference between someone who trains with them and works with them and trains with them and doesn't? What support isn't or is there? Um, ask ask the questions about or have the conversation and they should be asking you the questions. If they're just responding to yours, then yeah, they're, they're, they're not going to be client-centered to use the industry phrase they're not going to be looking at your needs and and they're just giving you a a standardized kind of sales pitch which is fine to have a standardized product but then they should be finding out about you and what you're looking for uh so so i think yeah the the questions are actually it's more about listening than it is about asking um but that's probably something you'll find reflected through your training when you finally commit yeah good trainer um, which is what we're speaking about here. I think the two things I'd like to touch on, one of which uh, you mentioned previously, I believe, which is see if there's uh, other people you can speak to about that trainer. Maybe that's uh, someone who's trained and is still with them, and maybe ideally as well, someone who's trained and has left and see if you can find out why they've left. And, and often it's for a good reason, but you get in a couple of different perspectives. Uh, and just the other one I would mention um, that I find useful it's where social media is pretty good. So if you can find that person or that business on social media and just scroll and scroll and scroll for a few years, no, not scroll for a few years, scroll through a few years worth of their social media and see what they're talking about online, see what they're what their values are, what they're promoting, what they're discussing. You know, and this is a big tangent, but I'm, I'm going to mention it because I think it's relevant. With with my driving school, I will openly talk about being allied to the LGBTQ plus community, um, and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. So by doing that, prospective customers, prospective learners are seeing that I am this person. 
And I look at other people that don't do that, and I don't know if they're an ally to that community. So I feel that if you can scroll down, you it may just be you find something that goes, they're a match for me because of this. So look at what people are putting out publicly, I would say, is another key thing. Um, so where do you think people could go for guidance, Chris? So, you know, maybe they've they've found a trainer they think they're happy with, or they're just after a bit of guidance around what to do next. Where would you send them? So the... I think one of those things is often talking to someone who hasn't got skin in the game. So someone who's not trying to sell you something or, you know, so, so it might be go out of area and, and find, you know, trainers that look good in, in a different area and, and just ask, ask them the questions that we're talking about. What would you be looking for and such? Um, but there are national associations and a national non-association where you can you know, get in touch and, and ask them for advice. They might have a list of trainers available, uh, it's something that the DITC are, are planning to have in place. But just because someone's on a list doesn't make them good, and that's important to remember. So, again, it can be whoever shouts loudest. And Actually, if I'm really busy, do I need to be on a list to get more work if I've got enough coming through? The quiet ones are often the ones to watch. We know that in life. Uh, it's no different in this industry. So to throw a load of letters at you, so grab a pen, there are three main national associations. The DIA, Driving Instructor Association. The ADINJC, the Approved Driving Instructor National Joint Council. We just call them the NJC. And the MSA, the Motor School Association. So they are the, the main associations in the industry. You get local associations as well. A brilliant place to go and find a local trainer. Go along and have a visit of your local association if you've got one. If you haven't, as soon as you qualify... Try and organise one and get one going because that's a brilliant way to get support and help. You could do it before you qualify. I just think no, I wouldn't be that brave. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're an awesome source local associations. Both of us are big fans of those. Um, but the national associations will be able to point you in the right direction. Um, you know, find out what they've got. They they might have deals. They might have you know savings that you can get because often you could join them right out you know, from the beginning of things. And and again, phone them and ask them the questions we're talking about. Get ask them. See what they would tell you because they they will have answered lots of problem questions. And those three, to have mentioned it in case you come across it, those three make up a larger association, which is called NASP, the National uh, Association Strategic Partnership. And they consult with the DVSA. So they, you know, they tend to be quite informed of what's going on and they've been around the block. So, yeah, check them out. And then the non-association, because we make a big thing out of the fact we're not trying to be an association. We often end up being one or represent, you know, looking like one, um, is the DITC. We are a signposting point. We will be telling you you know, potentially don't take membership with us, go and take membership with the National Association if there's a choice between them. We will tell you, don't subscribe to us, even though it is only £6 a month. Um, go and get the, the Instructor Podcast subscription because at that point in time, that might be the best thing for you. 
we're not going anywhere. So you can always come back. Um, but we will happily have a chat and try and point you in the right direction. Um, and we we will try to to you know, suggest local trainers if we know them. Um, despite being a driving instructor and maybe why I'm not in a car anymore, my geography is not great. So sometimes I have to go and look it up a bit. Uh, but yeah, I get lost regularly. But that's why we're a signposting platform. So get in touch and you know and and find out more. Uh, even if it's just to kind of go, this is the person that I've chosen or the company that I've chosen. Have you heard horror stories? Um, you know, we we try to be as 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 honest as possible, but it, it's you know, Google's the best place for that because you can find reviews. I was just about to say that I hate acronyms and then I looked up and realised that I've got an acronym on my hat. So <laughs> I'm going to refrain from that. Uh, I will just say that um, the, the DITC, the ADINJC and NASP have all, uh, one excellent place to find all those guys is on the Instructor Podcast. Uh, they've, they've all appeared on there. So if you want to find out more about them, you can find them on there. And I think, could be mistaken, I think that's the first place where all three chair people of the the, the members of NASP have appeared together that isn't their own organized webinar, um, which is uh, quite cool. Uh, and the other one I would just chuck in there is gov.uk has some excellent resources, uh, the very fundamentals about becoming a driving instructor. Uh, and there's one in particular around ADI guidance. And again, I'll put links for these in the show notes. It's going to be a long show notes for this episode. Um, but yeah, I'll put links in the show notes and, and stuff like that. But but yeah, I second what Chris said there. I don't think I have any, anything to add other than I think out of all those, I would start with the DITC, uh, not meaning to plug in because he's here, but you know they're referred to as the, the middleman of the industry for a reason. Uh, and it's a good reason, despite how some people may mean that in a negative connotation, but those people we don't talk about on this show. Anything else you want to touch on today, Chris? Uh, no, I think twice, um, just to make sure it's the right decision. Don't waste your money. So, you know, look look at uh, not giving it all. Same as finding a driving instructor. That You'll be saying the same things to pupils um, just because the thing we deal with the most are people who have committed to something that wasn't what they thought it would be, often didn't read the small print. So, yeah, just, just do that and just do your homework because when you sign a contract, it is a business-to-business contract um because you're becoming a a driving instructor and, and it's it's a professional thing so you're potentially not protected as much by the uh, consumer protection that you're used to so when you've signed it it's really difficult to get out of so you know ju- just buyer beware um and you know just make sure you're there but it's a Blooming lovely industry to be in, and uh, it it does get better and better, I think. I I don't think we're there yet. I think there's some brilliant things to come. So come and be part of it. Um, And and I look forward to hearing what you, whoever you are listening, is going to bring to the industry yourself, because we've got some amazing new people coming through, and they really are making everybody sit up and listen and uh you know and and play catch up in some cases so yeah look forward to being one of those awesome and you want to just remind everyone where they can find uh the ditc the ditc 
www.thedrivingdrunk.co.uk um, is, is the website. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. The driving instructor world is very heavy on Facebook when it comes to social media. That That's kind of our social media home. So if you are looking for stuff, that's a good place to start. If you haven't got an account, get one. It's worth it. Um, uh, but otherwise, uh, you know, Google me and uh and you'll 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 find plenty of ways to get in touch i'm going to ask you this uh but i'm gonna because just where you say in social media there what's the hierarchy of social media sites for driving instructors so we've got facebook instagram tiktok twitter and linkedin those five facebook's definitely at the top for hey, instructors it's what the order you just gave <laughs> um, I, 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 we're not we're not at all big on uh, LinkedIn. If you if you move across to the the fleet world, so fleet being working with commercial companies that have got multiple cars, that gets much bigger on LinkedIn. Um, but we we are close to being a cottage industry as such because we only need our local area. We only need that that kind of you know that reach. So. And yeah, unless you're doing something that is commercially based, it's not really relevant. Uh, Twitter is great for complaining, but that's about it, I think. Um, Insta, Instagram, I I struggle with, so I'm not the best one to ask about that. But I, there is a growing number of people on Instagram. But I would say TikTok's possibly above Instagram from a engagement point of view. Um, but yeah, fa- Facebook's our number one. And and I I have the privilege of having started the first Facebook group for driving instructors, so I get to say I started all of Facebook, um, which you know is an exaggeration, but I'll keep keep saying it uh, that every driving instructor group on Facebook has has been born of of the one that I started. Which, if you're looking for it, is I'm a driving instructor and I'm on Facebook. Sorry, I'm a driving instructor and I'm on Meta brackets Facebook because I thought it was funny when they changed the name. That's your people complaining about that when you change the name. I'll never forget that. Um, but I'm surprised it took you to episode two to remind us all that you started the first driving instructor Facebook group. Uh, I think at large, you agree with what you said. Facebook is definitely the hub for driving instructors. Instagram, it's growing more on me. I think there is a lovely bunch of supportive instructors on Instagram. And I don't think that anyone has commandeered that yet. So, you know, I'm over there attempting to commandeer it really, really badly. Uh, For me, TikTok is much more about learner drivers. So if you want to reach learner drivers, use TikTok. Um, You can find some instructor stuff over there, but I don't think it's anywhere near as strong. LinkedIn, uh, I think it's growing. I think that it's used badly by instructors. I think that's the issue. I think more people use it than we realize, but it's just used really badly. And Twitter, I think, is excellent for road safety stuff. If you want anything around any road safety, you can find all the big boys over there, and they're generally really good at communicating with you as well. But uh, just to wrap up the show, just as a reminder, I am Terry Cook, and as Chris said before, he gave you his, but I'll remind you again, theditc.co.uk, and you can find me at w www.theinstructorpodcast.com and on the podcast I do which is the instructor I usually finish by saying that uh, if you don't enjoy delivering lessons you're probably doing it wrong I'm going to change that a little bit for these episodes and I'm going to by finish but I'm going to say that again I'm going to finish by saying if you do it right you'll love the job nice way to finish so uh, uh, yeah uh, and as I mentioned before last thing I'll say Feel free to get in touch if there's anything you want us to cover or anything you don't understand. It's a limited series, but we are trying to squeeze quite a few episodes in over the next month or so. And uh, 
let us know what you're liking. That's a really shit way to finish. 